Craig Balanos is the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group and regularly joins us on WGN Radio. Craig, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, John, I'm doing good. I mean, the economic data continues to come in hot when it comes to CPI and PPI, but boy, that retail sales disappointed. So I don't know. I'm kind of feeling mixed on a Friday afternoon, to be sincere. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest with you, when I set this conversation up, I said, what happened this week and are we going to get the money back in the markets? But maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. Did we recoup the losses from Tuesday on the indexes? Well, you know what we did, we're giving a little bit back. I mean, if you take a look just, you know, over the last five days, you know, the S&P contract was trading around 5,046. We had that ginormous drop that you alluded to on Tuesday. We're still hanging back above 5,000. So it's not all bad. You know, at the end of the day, it's a mixed bag. We go into 2024 not knowing if the glass is half full or half empty, but this market, especially the big seven, the magnificent seven, they're remaining resilient. Yeah, but it's not just them. I thought that there was a little broader base to what the markets have been doing. Well, the market has been broadening out. In fact, I would argue if we take a look at something I've talked with you before about on numerous occasions, that S&P 500 cap-weighted indices versus the S&P 500 equal weight, we're seeing the gap between the two of those shrink, which indicates that some of these small to mid-cap stocks have been broadening over the last several weeks. That's normally something that's healthy that we want to see. But as we loaded up this conversation, you were saying something about spending. What was that all about? Well, you know what? We just had some ugly data this morning. I mean, you take a look. Last week we had the jobs data. It looks like everybody in America was given a job. That jobs data was hot. Then we got the CPI. The CPI was too hot. Then we got retail sales. And that retail sales number showed that the consumer softened tremendously. I mean, we had the worst retail sales number we've had since March of last year. And what you and I were talking about in March of last year was bank failure. So that's certainly not a good sign. I wonder if the consumer's money tree finally ran out of dropping leaves or wait, I meant dollar bills. What does that mean to inflation then? Well, you know, if the consumer ends up spending less money, that in and of itself is going to be a deflationary investment. So all these things tend to kind of counterbalance what I'm encouraging everybody to do this year when it comes to their investing outlook is just get back to basics. I mean, after a big recovery year in markets that was narrowly led with large cap growth, the magnificent seven technology, I just want to make sure people are rebalancing their portfolio more to an equal weight value stocks and growth stocks. And don't forget, bonds still have the highest starting yields they've had in years. They deserve a place in people's asset allocation. But I wonder what that means to the Fed then. That is, if this is um, something that's going to cool inflation, consumer spending less money, what do you think that means to the Fed this year? Well, clearly the chances of rate cuts in March, they are completely gone. I would argue a rate cut in February after the CPI data and the PPI data both showed inflation. It showed that this inflation, ugh, John, 
I, I hope inflation's not resilient to the upside, but I think what this does is it makes the chances of a rate cut in the month of May, it's basically one out of three. There's only a one out of three chance rate cut. That's indicative based on how the bond market is trading. I still think we're going to have some rate cuts by the end of the year. That's usually accommodative for asset prices. It's going to be good for a lot of people, but the expectations are certainly pushed further out. Rate cuts at the end of the year. I need six rate cuts this year, my friend. Six? Wait. You know what? I thought you were in the camp who wanted seven, John. We talked <laughs> well, about I that. was, to be honest no, with you, but I'll settle for worried. six. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get six. I've been very clear as you and I talked even last month in January. I never thought that we were going to have seven. Didn't think we were going to get six. At best, I'm in the camp of at best three to four. I think that's more realistic. And the only thing that's good, if there is a silver lining here, is I think we've begun to narrow the gap now between unrealistic market expectations for rate cuts and what we're more likely to get, that's a good place for investors to be just in Valentine's Day week. Craig, I wanted to go back for just a minute with you. If the if consumers are spending less money, that's anti-inflationary, right? And if the Fed is hell-bent to get us closer to two-something, the inflation index, then I thought this was going to be helping them along the way. Uh, and, and I was hoping that you were going to call then for or be more optimistic about rate cuts. Why, why, isn't, why doesn't it work that way, Craig? Well, you know what? The core of what you're saying is true. The fight is, still is, and has been and remains a fight against inflation. And consumers who spend less money are disinflationary. So, yes, that should excite the Federal Reserve. But again, John, we're living still in Goldilocks. We are still living in a soft landing. We have fantastic employment data reasonable consumer spending, corporations who have been able to thread the needle to hit their profit targets, and we just don't want to have something bad happen. And if you say what's bad that could happen, if the consumer spending really dries up all of a sudden, then the only way for corporations to hit their profit targets is to increase the layoffs, those reductions in force. And we all know if you increase the layoffs too much, it eventually leads to those recessionary pressures. Yeah, but you didn't talk about inflation there. I mean, that's that's what's been driving the Fed all along. That's what we've been talking about for two years. No, we, we have. And I do think, you know, I think the bottom line is this. I think it's going to take more than one hot CPI, which is inflation report, more than one hot PPI inflation report to derail the momentum that is still in this market. Yes, Tuesday might have been terrible Tuesday, but the truth is the market's within one half of one percent of its 52 week high. So all we've done is create a warning shot across the bow for overly bullish investors that, hey, sticky inflation, maybe some suddenly soft retail sales, it just means that the market's priced a bit for perfection. And as a result of knowing that, people should be investing responsibly. My view still is that inflation does continue to decline throughout 2024, so long as we don't have a big fear premium and a spike in oil if there's some trouble in the Middle East or the Red Sea.
Okay. So having said that, then where does the smart money go now? Are you are you not bullish on retail stocks or that sector? Where Where do you like money now? I think we have to express that we know the consumer is going to slow this year. Everyone's repaying their student loans. Credit cards have a 15.6% higher average daily balance than they did a year ago. And all of the COVID area and stimulus money is gone. So if consumers are going to slow down, I don't get overly excited about consumer discretionary stocks. But I think there's clearly room for continued momentum in health care. I think there's room for continued momentum in defense. And I do believe, even though the Magnificent Seven might seem a little bit long in the tooth, we have to accept the fact that those companies, if the AI boom continues, which I think it is, they're going to continue to power ahead. So that's three areas, three sectors of the market that investors can continue to feel confident in. I'm seeing so many stories how um, the car manufacturers were more bullish on EVs than car buyers. And while there's plenty of EVs out there, that in fact the the market for electric vehicles is going to cool a little, infrastructure being one of the reasons. I don't know how you feel about that or what that means for investments. Well, I think the infrastructure is a very, very big deal. I mean, ever since that you know, Wall Street Journal article ran in the spring or summer of last year when the two journalists tried to go from D.C. to California and back. They had trouble. That points to the infrastructure. And the other concern is the cost, right? There was a definitive cost premium for the EV vehicles. I mean, everybody, nothing's wrong with having a hybrid. I think plug-in hybrids are great. I just don't know that the market, meaning the consumer, is fully ready to adopt and pay that higher premium, even though there were some tax credits and incentives. So, yeah, I think maybe some manufacturers overplayed the demand that was going to be there. But longer term, I think that's still the direction people are heading. I think um, car manufacturers still aren't producing as I'm going out over my skis here, but I've been to a couple of dealerships lately, and it seems to me like they don't have the inventory they want, either the right kind of vehicles or the number of vehicles. What do you what do you know or think about just car stocks in general? Well, you know what I can talk to you about? Having two kids, getting them both out of college, graduate school and undergrad, guess what? They need vehicles. And I can tell you this, gone are the days when you had a wide selection of vehicles, makes, models, colors, options. No, we're not there. But if you ask me, is my most recent experience at multiple car dealerships that they actually have cars on the lot and I don't necessarily have to pay MSRP plus anymore, I can say emphatically yes to both of those. So we're not where I want to see us in terms of consumer choice, but there's certainly a definitive improvement. Talk to me about treasuries, two-year, 10-year, 30-year yields ended slightly lower uh, on the day yesterday. But, um, in fact, they're up this year. Um, What do you think about them? And talk to me about the investment opportunities they represent. Well, I think I talk about it in two ways. One, what am I paying attention to? Just as there's a line in the sand, I don't want to see crude oil trading in the mid-'80s. I don't want to see the 10-year Treasury yield going above 4.4%. If that happens, a whole lot of things change investment-wise. 
But what I think investors can do in terms of the opportunity, I think that's so key, John, is to give people a sincere and actionable idea. I think people can look at six-month Treasury yields at 5.3. They can look at two-year Treasuries at 4.6 and say, you know what? If I've made a lot of money in the stock market recovery of 2023, maybe when I rebalance, take some stocks to get some profits off the table, locking in some money for five-plus percent yields for a period of time, that's not a terrible thing to do. And Treasury bills have their place for a storage of capital. It's not going to create wealth, but Treasuries definitely help store wealth. I think 5%, 6% on some CDs sounds like creating wealth to people compared to what we saw before the pandemic. I mean, it was 0.1% on some of these products. So that's that's not bad. So you say if you're taking money out of stocks, this is a good time for that. It's a good time. And, to, and let's be sincere. The yields have gone up as we've seen these two inflationary reports come up. So I think today, specifically, right now, is a great time for people to be slowly buying some treasuries, maybe consider taking advantage of slowly lengthening the duration of some of their fixed income based on the anticipation that the Fed is going to lower rates, maybe not six times, John, but we might get a couple of rate cuts later this year. So, yes, the bond market is poised, I think, to do well going forward. Two. You think these are two. I've heard a lot more than two, Craig. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, I think about normal. You know, John, everyone complains about how high the interest rates are, but you and I have talked about this before. I think we just stay normal for longer. I mean, all through the 90s, through the 2000s, in that first decade, I mean, I remember having 3 to 4% savings accounts, 45 to 5.5% CDs, right. Right. Sure. you know, treasury sure. yields like they are today. So I view this as a relatively normal environment. It just feels abnormal after spending 15 years basically at zero, as you indicated. I guess if we get our head around how anomalous 3% is, then maybe we will begin to understand and, and start to sell those houses or move out of those houses with those low mortgages and go back into the 6% mortgage world uh, because it's, uh, there's quite a difference between where some of those notes are right now uh, and, and where they would be were you to refinance them or, or sell those homes and, and get new mortgages. So um, I, I take your point on that, Craig. Craig Bolanos, co-founder, CEO, Wealth Management Group. Invest with WMG.com is his website. Craig, nice to talk to you today. Thanks for your help. Great to be with you, John.